You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It is Friday, April the 7th, 2017. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us again this morning is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, great to be with you again. Uh, actually, we're going to look back at this week, and I think it's going to find a pretty exciting week, so lots to chat about. Is there ever. And before we get started, we always begin with just a notation to everybody that these weekly wrap-ups are brought to you by the Sprott Money Precious Metal Storage Program. We've got five international storage vaults and the most competitive prices in the industry. So please visit our international storage page at SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, uh, two big news items uh, just really over the last couple of hours. We've got to start somewhere. So we'll start with the jobs number. Just abysmal jobs number here in the U.S., 98,000, if you want to call that, for job growth. Earnings, hourly earnings came in below expectations as well. I know you've got some ideas. You were talking about this the last time we had a jobs number, so I'm going to let you go ahead and tell everybody what's going on. I wasn't. I've always found it surprising that uh, nobody, no commentators ever seemed to talk about the benign weather that we had in January and February. Uh, Like there really was hardly any winter whatsoever. Of course, if there is a bad winter, they always tell you it's a bad winter, and that's why the data is not good, right? right? But here we had a good winter, and then, I, I, as, as I exp- explained on some of our previous calls, I'm sure the seasonal adjustment for February was overly optimistic. So here we go into March now, when we had a bit of uh, winter weather with that storm Stella and uh, a little more normalcy, and you know, lo and behold, we only had 98,000 jobs, which I'm not saying that that's a, a normal monthly ad, but it, it takes everything away from the January and February numbers, like everything. Now you're back down to averaging whatever the number would be, 170, 180, which yep. makes it normal. So uh, I don't find it uh, shocking that the, the number looks weak. In fact, I kept thinking, well, maybe when you get to April, we'll really find out what's going on because hopefully the weather won't really be a factor. We'll see. But anyway, uh, I just happen to believe that jobs can't be strong. I mean, we look at the car sales and the retail sales and the retailers going broke and the stores being closed and every other darn thing. And uh, it's just it's not happening. So why would we think that we would be creating that many jobs? We just we just got fooled by the seasonal adjustment. Well, and it validates what the Atlanta Fed does, where they're saying that the first quarter economic growth is barely over one percent. So it seems like uh, that forecast is in line. And now we extend that out to what's happening in interest rates because uh, it doesn't seem to matter what the Fed does. The long end of the curve does not want to go up. And we've got some even new lows as we speak in the 10-year note and the 30-year long bond, lower than they've been since November. The FOMC came out this week, tried to emphasize maybe some plans to liquidate a few of their treasuries hoping to pump up the long end. doesn't seem like that's working, does it? No. And of course... Uh, that thought that I, I think it was really Dudley that came out and suggested it first. And, so, and Dudley's, of course, a very, very influential guy being with the New York Fed, uh, that maybe this is an option rather than rate increases. So it was something you had to take note of. But uh, I found it interesting that uh, when it sort of caught hold that, oh, my God, there might be some normalization and the market started to weaken uh, because of the fear of rates going up. Next thing you know, the New York Fed comes out and says, no, no, I, there won't be any normalization until sometime in mid-18 or something. So, mm-hmm. again, it's the, uh, the Fed, I think, you know, the primary, the primary thing is, of course, both financial markets, the bond market and the stock market, right? 
so whenever it looks like the stock market might start to worry about something, the Fed comes out and, and explains it all. So who knows where we're going? I, you know, I just don't think the economy's strong enough for a normalization of interest rates here. We've already seen the auto sales plunge in uh, March. I think they were down to a seasonally adjusted rate. I think the number was something like 16.7 million. And that's off a peak of, I think we might've got to 17.8 million at the high. And of course we hear, read all these stories about used car prices coming down and the incentives having to go up again, huge signs of weakness uh, within the system here. So, uh, you know, I've never been a believer in, in any economic recovery and I don't think we're having one and the Atlanta fed numbers kind of confirm it. And, you know, I actually think they might be down to like 0.9 again. And uh, who knows if it they factor in the uh, the car sales in March, maybe it'll go even lower. So we'll see. But I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to uh, base any of my investments on a strong economy uh, theory. Eric, did you just use the word huge? Yes. I thought it sounded like you said huge, like Donald Trump. <laughs> I probably don't say it nearly as well as he does. Fair enough. Well, that's that's a good segue to talk about Donald Trump because uh, you've been all over the uh, politics of Washington as of late as well. A lot of things going on there. Uh, the notion now, it seems, of tax reform and tax cuts in two thousand eight in two thousand seventeen seems to be dead, and now all of a sudden overnight, uh, we've got ourselves uh, some genuine military action as well. What do you right. make of the right. goings on in Washington? Well, needless to say, it disappoints me. I, I would. I would have thought that that wouldn't happen uh, with uh, Trump involved, although he is a, he pushes military uh, expenditures quite seriously. And it, I think the thing it, it makes me wonder about is who's running the agenda. You know, like there's factions at work, you know, in the White House, whether it's the globalists or the, you know, drain the swamp guys. And it seems that there's a little vacillation on like who's carrying uh, the mail that day. And that, that to me is probably the most disconcerting thing. And notwithstanding, you know, the, the Western media and the Western nations, uh, not condemning it. I thought that the comments from Russia were most telling, uh, by the way, we're sending, uh, an aircraft carrier into, into the, uh, uh off the coast of Syria now that this is a, a seriously damaged relations between the two countries. This is a serious act of aggression that that's what you want to listen to. We don't care that England supports it. Who cares what England right. says? Of course, they're going to say that they're a lapdog. Um, but when the Russians who are a player say what they say, that's what you want to listen to. So he's kind of opened up a, another Pandora's box here. And it's, it's, it gets very confusing for anybody in their right mind trying to figure out, well, where are we going? Where are we going? Who's driving the bus here? Where's this bus go taking us? So, it's uh, it's not good when you have that much uncertainty. Yeah, and there was a lot of optimism built into all the markets as the year began because Trump was going to increase infrastructure spending. There were going to be these massive tax cuts. He was going to fix health care, all these different things that all seem to be up in the air at this point, don't they? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I go back to uh, the, the market rally after the Trump win. I put it down to – I don't put it down to anything that Trump had to say, to be brutally honest, okay? I think it was the uh, – uh, the the uh, sort of the, the government at work turning it around because we can't have stocks going down the plunge protection team they come in they change the narrative overnight i mean one one day was going to be awful for the market and next, somehow the next day is going to be great for the market and of course they got the mainstream media 
to repeat everything they want to tell them. So I'm not a huge believer that the markets had a you know huge positive view of Trump post-election. I think it was the plunge protection team that got in there and turned everything around, including turning gold down, by the way. And um, so I, I just think we have to call a spade a spade here that somebody else is kind of running the show here. And there are some disconcerting thoughts of, you know, whether the Fed's really on Trump's side or they do they really want to just have this market go down uh, and sort of tag uh, Trump with it. So, you know, I, I'm a little ambivalent on that, but it's something that uh, circulates in my mind here that maybe the Fed is working against Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, I can see why you'd think that. That's for sure. Uh, Eric, in our remaining time, I've got to ask you uh, mainly about the silver Comex market, but there's definitely set that up as like a dichotomy versus what is happening on in, in the gold Comex, particularly when it gets to uh, commercial positioning and just straight up open interest. Gold's open interest is a fully at least a third below the all time highs we saw last summer, but yet silver's open interest with prices barely above eighteen dollars is within a couple thousand contracts of its all time high. What do you make of this, Eric? Very, very strange. It's hard to to rationally explain it. And, of course, the open interest represents such a huge amount of silver. Right. You know, theoretically, somebody thinks they're long a billion ounces of silver, and if some guy short a billion ounces of silver. One thing we know, we know the guy who's short can't deliver. That's mm-hmm. just a given. Uh, and, and, um, and, and it might be possible that the guy who's long really wants to take delivery. Uh, which would create a horrendous situation in silver, and they could just skyrocket overnight. And, uh, you know, we see some strange things going on in settlements. Uh, uh, there's apparently some off-COMEX settlements that, that suggest that there's tightness in the market. I've heard anecdotally that there's tightness in the gold and silver markets. Uh, but the structures are, are so uh, opposite each other, and it's the rigidity of the commercials, uh, sorry, the the um, the, the speculators and, and hedge funds hanging in there, that is absolutely unique. And of course, the uh, correction in silver and the, even the intraday corrections always seem to be modest now, right? It's not. I mean, they used to take it apart. Now, you know, they're lucky if they can get you know gold down ten bucks and and silver down twenty, uh, which is unique to uh, this sort of recent phase here. So. Uh, you know, it could explode at any moment. It, it, it's not, exp- I can't explain it. The fact that you got the same sets of investors in both metals, but acting differently. I can't explain. You probably have a better explanation than I have. But it's not my show. Uh, the question then becomes, <laughs> the question then becomes, uh, who is short? You know, as you mentioned, at 220,000 contracts of open interest, that's 1.1 billion ounces of uh, virtual paper fantasy silver on the COMEX that's traded. Uh, you know, the, the, the apologists for the system will say, oh, that's just hedging. But apparently, Eric, it's the silver miners that are hedging and not the gold miners. I mean, does any of this make sense at all? No, no. In fact, you wrote an article about this, didn't you, showing how, you know, the unlimited supply of silver and gold can keep the markets in place. And uh, no, it's not the silver miners. Silver miners, I mean, the biggest silver mine in the world probably only produces 30, 40 million ounces, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these, you know, whatever hedging they were going to do, they've done a long time ago. And uh, I, you know, I follow these silver companies. I don't see new hedging taking place here. You you yourself know that you can go from, 
you know, seven hundred million dollar short, a seven hundred million ounce short position to a billion in uh, like six weeks. Well, there's no way that anybody's hedged silver in that last six weeks. It's all the commercials, as you explained in some of your articles. So, it's a game here. Uh, it could be that some group of uh, hedge fund hedge funds are prepared to, and and other longer term uh, silver investors are are ready, you know, to take them on and take delivery and. Let's see what's going to happen here. So, you know, lots of people that have written articles suggesting this thing could break quickly here. So, we'll stand by on that one. And if it does, it would be beneficial for the miners. And so, the final question is, how are you feeling about the miners here? They've continued to consolidate. They're still yeah. more than doubled off of the floor uh, back in January of 2016. So, they're still doing quite well. But it's in this period of kind of seesaw action that I know is frustrating, folks. What do you? What are your opinions here? Well, you know, as I thought about it, when I saw just a military attack, and I thought I saw gold go up ten bucks, I thought, you know, this may not last, and 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 the stocks may not move because of military stuff. Okay, the more important thing is the economic stuff, i.e., no jobs, Fed not raising rates, because that's sort of the accepted wisdom of the market. And uh, so I expect today we'll have a, a good day in the stocks here. Um, technically, gold and silver have both broken out here. I think they're both through their 200-day moving averages. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I would expect these the stocks to probably uh, to hitch a ride this time. You know, they've sort of been waiting around to see whether there there is or isn't going to be a breakout. And uh, if we can hold the breakout, I think the stocks uh, will rally strongly. Just one programming note for everyone. Next week is a market holiday ahead of Easter. Uh, all the markets in the U.S. will be closed for Good Friday. So look for your weekly wrap-up next week on thursday instead eric until next thursday i bid you adieu i hope you have a nice weekend hey great all the best to you hope you have a great one as well thanks and, and from all of us here at sprott money news and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening we'll talk to you next week